0: Awesome. Welcome back to another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I am your host, Cody Kelly. I have an amazing episode today with an amazing just leader. But before I do all that, if you want to keep seeing amazing content and keep seeing amazing leaders like I have, Chris Bussard, who you see, you got two things. You got to subscribe to my YouTube page at YouTube at CV space K and connect with me on Instagram at CVMK33. I appreciate all my guests and all my listeners. Look, being a podcast host, especially on a very, very small bandwidth, <laughs> it's interesting. A lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of cool stories. But the cool thing is, every now and then, I say, God sends you help, right? And you reach out to somebody, and bam, they respond, didn't think it would happen. But I got Chris Roussard here, the amazing Chris Roussard, who I follow. I've, I've watched him when he was on ESPN, now on Fox Personally, you know, I I think it's one of the best things uh, when I hear him and Nick Wright. And I'd rather just say Chris because I know sometimes I love Nick Wright. And as a LeBron apologist, he is warm to my heart. But sometimes the basketball facts are just not factual. So it's nice to have (laughs) objectivity. So I reached out to him because I was interested. I was like, man, first, I would love to pick his brain. But I saw an interview he did with uh, Ruslan. uh, And I was just kind of like, you know, like, wow. You know, like sometimes people aren't as transparent. Uh, with just a lot of things, particularly when it comes to faith. So I reached out, he acquiesced, and now he's here. So with that being said, how are you doing today, Chris?
1: I'm great, man. It's a pleasure to be on, and I'm looking forward to a uh, good conversation.
0: Cool, cool. I appreciate that. Well, look, first question off. So, you know, you uh, have been on the biggest platforms. You've, you know, interviewed Hall of Famers. Um, you have uh, dialogued with some of the greats, right? But it's crazy sometimes you have to see yourself to do something and when you haven't seen yourself do it, it's like you question, can I do this thing right? Um, as a as a believer, like how do you navigate? You know, like, I'll, and I'll tell uh, transparent so, you know, I grew up in the church, blah, blah blah. Anybody that knows me know, uh, you know, I grew up in the church of God in Christ. I'm actually an ordained elder in the church of God in Christ, you know,
1: <laughs> for what it's worth. Um, but I got love for the church of God in Christ, man. I really, I, do. Pre- I, I appreciate love you. I love coaching, real talk. Real I appreciate
0: talk. you, we appreciate you. Uh, but you know, there was a lot of do's and don'ts, and growing up, uh, basically, all you could be. If you were a man, you you know, you you could you just go to school, you would become at at the highest you could be a doctor. You couldn't tap into a lot of hard science or anything that dealt with like any type of real like biomechanical or anything that you would go against traditional norms of
1: faith. So there was like slotted. So that was, that was a teaching. in. I know it wasn't a doctrine. No, it wasn't a doctrine, but it was, but it was like within the church. It wasn't a doctrine
0: and nothing might my local church because my grandfather himself was a chemist. But he talked about how hard it was even when he went to school to become a chemist, the backlash you received. Like it was a certain kind of opinion and niche you had to stay in. And then when it came to media, that was unheard of. Nobody was in media that we knew, you know, (laughs) so it was like that's not you know, that's for the world. It was considered, you know, overly secular. So it was like you could it was crazy. You could watch it. You could be entertained by it, but actually being in it was kind of taboo. So how did you like find yourself in this place?
1: Well, first of all, it's funny that you say that because I think some of that comes from, look, the older generation uh, of African-Americans. Let's just face it. Number one, you didn't have opportunities like we have today. And so that is responsible for some of that thinking. Um, And then, like you said, it can just be old school holiness um, taken overboard to, you know, going beyond what the scripture says and putting these burdens on people uh, that that really are necessary to put on them. But I say I say that because. I remember uh, a, one of my cousins was in a church. It wasn't Kojic, but it was a Pentecostal church. And I'm charismatic, Pentecostal, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was saying that her pastor, this was maybe a decade or so ago. And she was telling me that her pastor had was preaching. And it was a pretty big church. And he was saying, he was talking about the rapture and you know, when everybody's gone and the, the Christians are gone. And he was talking about how, nobody's going to miss you, you know, ain't nobody going to, you know, know that you gone and, you know, Christians, we going to all be gone. Ain't nobody going to know we gone. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I'm like, there are prominent Christians. There are Christians in the NBA that, yeah, if they're gone, people are going to notice. There are <laughs> Christian broadcasters, Christian politicians, yeah. Christian doctors, Christian entertainers, that if they're gone, people are going to know. All right. So that's just that old school mentality. And again, some of it was because the black community was just shut out from mainstream society for so many years. And so some of these, the older saints, they still have that line of thinking. But it's false. And you need to. That's why you need to, as the word says, test every spirit and and look at it and see is that in the word. And the fact of the matter is this. God gives all of us various gifts. He gives all of us various opportunities and God wants to use people in various arenas. Okay. Some, he, he lifts up to become great athletes. Some become great entertainers. Some become politicians. Some become lawyers, doctors, you know, whatever school teachers, whatever it may be, but God wants to use people in various fields. If you look in the scripture in Genesis, I believe it's chapter four, God blessed uh, men, Jabal, I'm thinking, and Tubal-Cain. And And Tubal-Cain was the father of, you know, the Iron Age. Right. I mean, look at how that's blessed society. So God will bless us in with, he will call some of us to secular careers. Right. Okay. now that doesn't mean you don't live holy and you don't live for the Lord. But he may, everyone's not called to be a pastor. And I think particularly in the black community, when we feel that calling, that we really, we're on fire for God, and we want to do something for the Lord. We automatically think pastor. Yeah. And that's why we have so many churches all over the place.
0: With two I can
1: go to the hood in any city with black people right. and you gonna see, I can go to a block and there'll be four storefront churches in a, what, a uh, 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 100 yard radius. yeah, They don't talk with each other, they don't deal with each other, but they're <laughs> all doing the same thing. And we what we lack in our community, are parachurch ministries, which are ministries that are outside of the church. And that's one thing I've started with the King movement. It's a national Christian men's movement, but it's a parachurch ministry. It's a ministry outside of the church. Mm. And if you look at the black community and the black Christian community, we don't have very many black-led parachurch ministries. And we need to, that's, I think, hopefully this generation will begin to birth some of those. Um, And so where you can be, you're ministering, you're, you're a minister, but it's on a college campus. You're a minister, but it's in, the medical field, you're a minister, but it's an engineering, you're a minister, but it's, you know, uh, just outside of the church in one way or the other. So, um, I think that that's, that, that's addresses some of those issues. But for me, um, you know, I studied to become, uh a media person. Uh, for me, what happened was my sophomore year in college, I was at, I went to Oberlin college in Ohio And I looked around, I played basketball, looked around at my teammates, looked around at my friends. And I'm talking about African-Americans for the most part. The woman uh, I ended up marrying, we were dating at that point, or I don't even think we were dating, but we were friends. And she was going to medical school. Some of my teammates knew they were going to law school. Some of my teammates were gonna be engineers or going to public policy school. Uh, Cause we were division three. Nobody, we weren't going to the NBA. So dudes were hitting the books. Right. Uh, and so everybody has seen knew what they wanted to do. And I didn't have a clue. And I'm like, man, like I, I got two years, two and a half years left before I need to get out into the world and be a responsible adult. And so I, I got scared and I came up with a formula where I took something, I said, I want a career that I enjoy because for the young folks out there, and my daughter was just telling it to me the other day, I I told her and other young people this for years. Once you start working, when you get out of college or you get out of high school, if you don't go to college, you will spend more time working than doing anything else. It's true. Anything else. So ideally, you can pick a job that you or you can get a job that you enjoy, a career that you enjoy. Because if you don't have a career you enjoy, that's a lot of time you can spend being miserable. And so that's one of the great things about an education is an education gives you the opportunity to choose your career. I chose to be a sports writer. My wife chose to be a medical doctor. All right, my daughters now, they graduated from college. One of them chose to work in media production. One the other one chose to work in psychology. Right. And so that's what an education does. If you don't get an education in this society, yeah, then you will have to take what you can get. You just gonna have to, because you gotta make ends meet. Right. And, and don't go out there and do anything illegal. So you're gonna have to take whatever type of job you can get to put food on your table. And so get your education. But what I did was I came up with a formula. I said, let me take something I enjoy plus something I'm gifted at and see if I can make a career out of that. And so what I enjoyed my entire life was sports. I mean, growing up, sports was my life. Yeah, I played football, basketball, and baseball in high school, played basketball in college. And so I enjoyed sports plus something that I was gifted at, and I've always was a gifted writer. It's just a gift, and we all have gifts. We we tend to think of music, singing, right. playing an instrument, athleticism. We think of those as gifts, but there are various gifts. Some are gifted in with numbers. Some are gifted with great speaking ability. Some are gifted in leadership. Some are gifted in writing, whatever it may be. So I took something I enjoyed, sports, but something I was gifted at, writing, and said, let me try to become a sports writer. And what enabled me to realize that goal or that dream was that I did do well in school. Okay, my father always made sure I had good grades. As important as sports was to me and to him, he wasn't gonna let me play if I didn't have good grades. And so by the time even when I didn't realize the importance of getting good grades, I got good grades. Yeah. And so then when I finally, when I was in college and I wanted, I said, okay, let I know what I want to do. Going into interviews with a, a cover letter and a resume that said I had a 3.0 grade point average, that I made the honor roll every year, every quarter in high school. That enabled me to realize the dream because they said, even if you don't have a lot of experience in journalism, this is a smart kid. This is a guy that's achieved some things. We'll take a chance on him. If I had gone in there with, if I had terrible grades and was like, yo, I want to be a sports writer. And I go in there and I got a 1.6 grade point average. They may have been like, yeah, all right. Everybody wants to be a sports writer, dude. All right. You know, so that's the importance. Even young people, if you don't, even if you don't understand why do I have to learn this history? Why do I need to learn this geometry, this algebra? do it. All right. Education in America, in addition to being good for your growth as an individual person, right? it also is a weeding out process. The college degree is a credential that you won't even be considered for certain things if you don't have it. True. All right. Because <laughs> a lot of times they'll teach you, you'll get a job and they'll teach you yeah. what you need to do. Not that you learned it so much in college. There are fields where you learn it in college, but there are other fields where you don't necessarily learn the practical things that you'll do on your job, but they will teach you them when you get to college. So that's the importance of education for all the young people and the parents who may have young kids out there.
0: No, that's true. I I totally agree. I I thank God, you know, my mom, um, well, my parents, my grandparents, Pushed it so heavily, um, and and they pushed it in basically, you know, the way my dad would say, "Look, you black, you got to be twice as good to go half as far." So, right. uh, you know, I had to, and then I had to go back and get another degree, like, and then you know, now, you know, it, it's crazy. I would not have advanced in my professional career what I do uh, as a director of this tech company if I did not have it. Uh, like, you know, which allows me to do my podcast as a hobby and really because. <laughs> It fuels me, but it, it it does open up doors. But, you know, it's, it's crazy you talk about that. I, like I say, I think you have to have examples. For me, I had, and my parents, I had my grandparents. I had, uh, even in the secular kind of intertwining into, like, sports media. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but the Reverend Scott Bradley, he was a former Bulls chaplain. He was there for 37 years, just retired. You know, he was a member of our church. He is a member of our church, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I get, I got to hear the stories of Mike and Scotty, right? Like, not like the last dance stories. I mean, like some stories that did, you know, that were hilarious. And just seeing that, like, gave me confidence that I can have a place in society regardless of the pulpit, right? Like, I don't have to stand in the pulpit uh, to be validated in who I am. But I want to touch on that. Because sometimes, and I admit I admit to you, Mr. Broussard, um, I had to learn how to... Display faith without saying it, right? Like, like I wouldn't, can I wouldn't say like I walk around. I don't write scriptures on my tennis shoes, and you know, mm. Philippians four. No jab to anybody. I just don't. You don't wear don't a shoe with a Bible it. on it. Yeah, I don't <laughs> do that. I don't, I don't. I just don't do that, you know. But and one of the reasons is because you try to they. You know, if you do that, you'll get placed in this box like unfairly. So right. So now it's like if I do that, somehow in your mind you think I vote Republican, right? <laughs> like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. and, and it's hard because there's a lot of complexity to that. And, you know, the divide is there. You know, we talked about just the divide in the black community, but just in 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 faith as a whole, it's hard to say that you are a believer because believers are so disconnected right now, right? I mean, we, we argue even over, we should get the vaccine knowing that, yeah. uh, you know, you know, so like what what do you say? Like when people try to say, like, are you like a for lack of a better word? And I, I like Tim Tebow, but are you the Tim Tebow
1: Christian? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you navigate that channel? Man, I mean, there's a lot there. Um, one, I just look, I'm a Christian, right? Um, I'm a Bible believing Christian. Here's what what I say to Christians. Uh, because we have so many various denominations. And as we're you know arguing over various things or di- disagreeing various things, the how do I word it? The, uh, the basis, the Constitution, if you will, sure, of Christianity, the playbook, the guide, is the Bible. Okay, And so if you're a Christian, you should be beholden to the word of God. All right. It's not about what you think, what you feel, what your emotions or flesh is telling you. The guidebook is God's word, the Bible for Christians. Now, you don't have to be a Christian. If you don't want to, you don't have to follow it. But if you claim to be a Christian, Right. then the Bible should be your guide with the, t- the Holy Spirit. All right, so if we understood that, both black and white, right, and, and obviously everything in between, we would be better off, and I would say more united as the body of Christ. And one reason that the church in America is being pushed to the periphery more and more every month is because the church is so divided and it's divided along racial lines for the most part. And because we're divided, Jesus himself said a church, a house divided cannot stand. And so we can't fight off the onslaught uh, within American society against the church because we're so divided. And that's a big problem. And that goes for black and white White. So. So, yeah, I mean, white Christians that, that are so they think the Republican Party in America is the kingdom of God. That's ridiculous. And justice is all throughout the Bible. And so the white church knows that because they fight for their justice. Right. You know, they'll speak up about abortion. They'll speak up about same sex marriage. They'll speak up about. We we don't want socialism. We want capital. Like they, when it comes to issues that impact them, they'll speak up about it. But when it's when we start speaking up about these issues that impact us, that's when they want to say, "Oh, just preach the gospel. The, the you know, just stick to the the you know that stick to the gospel and don't address these social issues." And so it's hypocritical. On the other hand, in the black community. We are so we have become just as beholden to the Democrat Party as the white Christians are to the Republican Party. And my thing is, we shouldn't be beholden to either. Because if to to be locked in lockstep with either the Democrats or the Republicans, you have to go against major biblical principles. Major. All right. It's not like maybe years ago when it was, you know, It wasn't you weren't really necessarily it wasn't really about your biblical values necessarily because both sides were generally similar in that regard. Now, both sides, you have to overlook serious biblical principles to be uh, ride or die for either side. And what one thing I've mentioned, the white church, what bothers me about the black Christians who are locked in with the Democrat party is that I'm looking at the last election and I'm saying the Democrats didn't have a prayer of winning without the black vote. Right. And that was our opportunity to make major demands. If you want our vote, we want this, 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 and this. We should have made demands economically. We should have made demands that we want for our community because everybody else did.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And we should have made the church should have made demands of we want our religious liberty upheld. Okay, we understand we're a pluralistic society and people can live how they want and do what they want to do. But that includes Christians, too. And so don't come into our churches. Don't come into our Christian schools and our Christian organizations and ministries and tell us we can't adhere to the word of God. Right. Right. We should have done that. If you want our vote, this is what we demand. We didn't do it. And now when the Democrats that we put in office are moving against religious liberty, and the church, what the church can do and say, and you're going to be in trouble if you say this or that, or if you don't agree with this or that. Now we up in, oh, you believe this? Look at what they're doing. What? So both black and white Christians, for different reasons, but both of the, us are wrong if we're so, we act like, you know, one party is the party of God.
0: Right, right. Both
1: of them have good things and both of them have bad things. And so I'm saying, I get it. You vote, you had to vote for somebody. Right. But if you're in power, then make demands for your vote. Make your vote valuable. Don't just give it away. Because last thing I knew, and I didn't vote for Trump, I'm not a Republican and all that. Right. But I'm saying last, last time I checked, Donald Trump didn't create racism.
0: It's last time good. I checked,
1: black people were getting gunned down by policemen unarmed. Under President Obama.
0: Yeah.
1: Under, before Donald Trump. So, so we, this ain't, this wasn't all about just Trump. He wasn't a good, he wasn't an adult. All right. He wasn't a good president. I mean, come on. But still, we let him, then make him the boogeyman of racism as if everything with racism was going to end when he got out of office. And therefore we were so concerned, let's just get him out at all costs that we didn't make any demands. And so. I don't know if I answered your question.
0: No, you're fine. <laughs> you're
1: fine, but you know.
0: Hey, I, I appreciate it. Look, I, I appreciate you so much. I know I got five more minutes with you, so thank you. We your- gone a little long.
1: Yeah. I got I. I got till twelve
0: fifteen Eastern. Oh, I I got you. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna get it done. Uh, you know, I was raised old school Pentecostal, so uh, after thirty minutes, my grandfather would sit you down. So, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I I I'll, I'll be done shortly. Last question. Because I'm a basketball guy, Lakers just signed Russell Westbrook. I love LeBron. I don't care what anybody says. Space Jam 2 was greater than Space Jam 1. Uh, <laughs> LeBron is the official go to of my book, regardless if he gets another ring, because I grew up watching LeBron. I only remember the really the last two championships of Jordan. You know, so uh, I hey, saw bro. Wizards Mike. You know, so, I mean. You're and you in Chicago, Chicago insane, yeah, I mean like I'm a Chicagoan. I love Mike, but like I just think LeBron overall is a better player.
1: Without- I I give you I give you credit for being yeah. objective because yeah. that's one thing I try to always be as objective. Early in LeBron's career, I got to know him fairly well. I did mm-hmm. a lot I did probably five or six cover stories for ESPN the magazine on LeBron. And so I spent a lot of time with him. I like him. I love what he does off the court uh and and everything. But I believe Jordan's the GOAT. I believe Mm -hmm. LeBron's second. So I will respect, and I say that because that's an objective view as much as I like uh, LeBron. And so I respect your objectivity.
0: I appreciate that. My question to you, with the signing of Russell Westbrook, I've said this. I said this uh jokingly, but I'll restate it again. I'm speaking prophetically. The Lakers are gonna win 74 games <laughs> if they have an 82 game season. <laughs> They're only gonna lose eight in an 82 game season. LeBron will get his fifth finals MVP. I don't see any competition coming out unless the Nets are fully healthy, fully, you know, engaged. I don't see the Bucks getting back to the championship, but I do see LeBron getting number five in the next season. Is that is that is that on your radar? Uh, no. There, I,
1: there is no way they're winning seventy four games. All right, you, you can throw that out the window. There's no way they're winning seventy four games, and there's no way Russell Westbrook's averaging a triple double. All right, um, I give them a puncher's chance, a puncher's chance. Brooklyn's the best team in the NBA. If everybody's healthy all over the league, Brooklyn's the best team in the NBA. Um, Milwaukee is tough. Milwaukee's going to be better. They're hungry still. Yeah. Giannis is going to be better. Uh, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton are going to be better. They're going to have more confidence, more swag. I think they have uh, understand how they need to play now better as far as using their size. Um, And the Lakers need to fill out that roster. So I don't like the fit with Russell Westbrook with the Lakers. I don't think he fits the way LeBron. I don't think they're a good combination. Now, like I said, I'll give them a puncher's chance because the talent of their top three players is tremendous. LeBron is one of the smartest basketball players we've ever seen. So maybe he can figure it out. But the fact is, their games, the skill sets don't match. It's not. I know the story came out that a few weeks ago they all met at LeBron's house and they all talked about sacrificing and playing different positions and doing whatever it took to win. That's all well and good. But if your skill sets don't match, it's going to be difficult. I have no question that Russell Westbrook will submit his ego and try to make it work. He did that in Houston. With James Harden, how'd it work out? Chris Paul did that in Houston with James Harden. How'd it work out? They almost won. They they almost – Russell Westbrook didn't go to L.A. to almost win. LeBron LeBron. and Westbrook have both almost won a lot. Yeah. They go in there to win. And Westbrook likes to play fast. LeBron likes to play slow and deliberate. Both of them like to handle the ball and be ball dominant. LeBron typically only wants to turn it over The ball handling skills if he trusts your judgment and that you're a smart decision maker. Westbrook's not been known as a smart decision maker. Now, I do think there are times when Westbrook can hold the rock. When LeBron's on the bench, Westbrook can take that second unit and it's his. When LeBron's on the court, Westbrook, when they get the rebound, Westbrook can push it in transition. All good on that. But their primary ball handler and decision maker needs to be LeBron. I think he should go to the point and Westbrook be on the two and obviously AD on the front court. But um, they can't – the problem – the reason Brooklyn's big three could work is because all three guys are excellent shooters. If you're an excellent shooter, you don't need to dominate the ball to have an impact on the game and to get your points. Kevin Durant doesn't need to dominate the ball to get his points. Kyrie does. Even though Kyrie pats it a lot, he don't have to because he's a great shooter. Harden patted it all the time in Houston, less so in Brooklyn, and still was effective because he can shoot. The big three in L.A., who can shoot? AD's not a good shooter. He's good for a seven-footer that every once in a while go out there and he can hit the shot. Right. But he he's not a good overall shooter, you know, three-point shooter. Right. Russell Westbrook is a bad three-point shooter. And LeBron's okay. 34%. He, he, good, good shooter. Yeah. Streaky, yeah. right? Yeah. But that, that's going to make it tough. Generally, LeBron needs the floor space so he can have those driving lanes. Westbrook ain't spacing the floor. He's allowing the floor to collapse, the defense to stop, stay in the paint. Yeah. So they better lock up a bunch of shooters. You look at Miami, D-Wade couldn't shoot. LeBron wasn't, is not a great shooter, as we said. But they surrounded him with Ray Allen, Mike Miller, Shane Battier, Mario Chalmers, knocked down shooters. I, it's going to be hard for the Lakers to surround this group with that caliber of shooting because they don't have much money left. And so, like I said, the West is open. That's one thing. With Kawhi out, the Clippers, yeah. Phoenix, and eh, Denver, and eh, Utah, and eh, Dallas, I think they're going to jump because of Luka. But, you know, mm-hmm. nobody out there is scaring you. So the Lakers will have a shot. All but right. Brooklyn, everybody healthy, I-, I think I would take Brooklyn. I will give the Lakers this advantage. If they get to the finals, that means they're balling, they figured it out. Mm-hmm. And LeBron, we know of all these dudes, LeBron, AD, Russ, Durant, Harden, Kyrie, only one of them has proven he can lead a team. He has the intangibles to lead a team to a championship, and that's LeBron. Right. As great as KD is, he hasn't proven it yet. As great as Harden is, he certainly hasn't proven it. And Kyrie has not proven it, that they can lead it. They can be a part of it. Durant was the best player in Golden State, but he didn't lead that team. He wasn't the leader of that team. All he had to do was show up and ball. It's true. When you're the leader of the team, you got to do more than that. And LeBron's the only one that's shown he can do that. And so that would be an advantage. If the Lakers get there, they'll have a great shot.
0: And that's why LeBron is the goal. Thank you, Chris, for first. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. The reality <laughs> is Kevin Durant I, – I say this objectively. Anybody knows me. I know Kevin Durant is the best – I hate to say this because my friends are Kevin Durant fans, but he's the best force on the basketball court, hands
1: down. I don't know. Because LeBron's
0: Because
1: of Giannis or LeBron? Yeah. I mean, Durant's the best, like, pure scorer. Sure. Yeah. But he don't play half the defense Giannis does. He don't rebound like Giannis. He can't dominate the interior like Giannis. Giannis just needs to stop shooting jumpers and threes. I mean, for the most part. not Take the occasional one to keep the defense honest. All right. but if he plays to his strength like he did in the finals, which is playing inside, and then when he's outside, he makes the right decisions like he did in the finals, Giannis is the man. If he does that, now if he going to be bringing the ball up court and trying to be the point forward, point guard, and shooting threes and shooting mid-range jumpers, then, yeah, he's he's not the best because that's playing to his weakness. Just like if Kevin Durant tried to play in the post every night. Right. Or just like Kevin Durant tried to, you know, do something that he's not the best at. So, and then LeBron, you know, we'll see. Father time's tapping, but yeah. he's not what he used to be, but he still could end up – he still might be the best player in the world. He's in the discussion. But uh, I, Durant's great, but overall force – Nah, I can't give him that yet because he's only won it as great a force as he is. He's only won it with that juggernaut in Golden State that was a juggernaut before he got there.
0: That's tough. That's tough. I'm not even comment on that because uh I'm that's tough. I mean, Giannis is Giannis is amazing. I'm like I said, I gotta roll with LeBron because uh He's been my play- favorite uh, player since St. Mary, St. Vincent, uh, and basically after <laughs> Allen, you know Allen Iverson started going down. LeBron took it. I always said my favorite players were MJ because I grew up in Chicago. Then it was Penny. Then it was Iverson, and then it was LeBron. And I haven't switched since. So right. Mr. Star, thank you so much. You've been amazing. I tried to keep it within the time frame. I appreciate it so much, brother. Where can they connect with you? Where can the people,
1: you know, follow you, support what you're doing? Where can they connect with you? Well, you can uh, learn more about the King Movement at kingmovement.com or you can email us at king at kingmovement.com. I speak at churches, colleges, schools, corporations throughout the country. If you're interested in having me speak at your church or whatever, you can go to Chris Broussard Speaks, Speaks chrisbroussardspeaks.com and book me to uh, speak. And um, that's where you can get me. I'm on Instagram, of course, Chris Broussard 68 uh, on Twitter, Chris underscore Broussard and uh, kingmovement.com on Twitter and Instagram as well. So that's how you can reach me.
0: Awesome. y'all connect with him. Hit him up on kingmovement.com. Chris Broussard speaks. Chris Broussard 68 on IG. I always say support, get supported. And the cool thing about support when you follow somebody, Not only encourages them, but it is free. It costs you nothing to subscribe, to support, to follow. And if you want to keep seeing amazing leaders like Chris Roussard, you got to do two things. Connect with me on Instagram at CVMK33 and on YouTube at CVSpaceK. I appreciate my guests. I appreciate my audience. Until next time, guys. Thanks.